Our good friend Jacques Williams joins the show. He's our Global News Radio 640 Toronto aviation expert. Jacques, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Kelly. Glad thanks, to be here. Thanks for being here. Last time you were on with me, you got feisty. <laughs> well, sometimes I have to do it. <laughs> well, I think I was the one that got all feisty okay, with you. Okay, well, let's try it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. I don't know if it's going to get too feisty, but I read this great article over the weekend uh, in the New York Times. I don't know if you saw it, but I'm just going to go through a little bit of it and then maybe ask you some questions here. Um, so Boeing, uh, with regard to the, four, the 737 Maxes, they have... 4,600 pending orders, uh, and some character, uh, some carriers are already reconsidering their purchases. So that's not good news for Boeing with the groundings of those uh, MAX 8s and 9s. But this article said whether the training procedure on, uh, they questioned whether the training procedures on Boeing's jet left pilots unprepared to deal with new software on the plane. So when the plane was introduced, Boeing believed that pilots who had flown an earlier model didn't need additional simulator training. And regulators, regulators agreed. The FAA didn't change those rules after the Lion Air crash in October, and there are no plans to do so now, even though the Ethiopian plane crash bears some similar similarities to the Lion Air crash they're finding out now. Preliminary evidence and data suggested potential similarities between the crashes, the software, an automated system designed to help avoid the stall, which also came up with the Lion Air disaster, as I mentioned. And um, basically they're saying... That for many new airplane models, pilots train for hours on giant multi-million dollar machines. They are on the ground versions of the cockpits and they mimic the flying experience and they teach them new uh, features. But the MAX 737s did not have a simulator. How important, Jock, are flight simulators for training pilots? Well, about 99% of all of all training is now carried out on simulators because with a simulator... You can do the most dangerous of practices, and nobody's going to get hurt if they don't do it right. So we do that over and over again. We practice engine failure shortly before or after takeoff. We practice runaway trim, as as looked like happened in both the Lion Air and the Ethiopian. But but I'm going to address something. It's the elephant in the closet. Both the countries that experience these crashes, by our standards, would be described as maybe third world countries, mm-hmm. maybe even fourth or fifth. Yep. And one of the problems in some of those countries, certainly in the Ethiopian case, is that they will put a pilot in the cockpit that we wouldn't dream of putting in a cockpit in Canada or the United States or Great Britain or France or Germany. Apparently, the co-pilot of the crash airplane in Ethiopia had 200 or thereabouts flying hours. You wouldn't get a job interview until you had at least 1,000, maybe 1,500 anywhere in Canada flying 737 MAX 8s. So part of the problem is we had an experienced pilot, maybe, flying with an apprentice co-pilot, maybe, When I say apprentice, I mean maybe he wouldn't even be described in those terms. Would you hire an apprentice to fix the toilet in your house? I don't think so. So why in the world would you trust your life to what they're describing as an apprentice pilot? I don't think... 200 hours, he's holding on. Yeah, you know, you're in good company because Sully Sullenberg tweeted out a similar thing over the weekend. 
And uh, he said that he doesn't think the announced announced proposed fixes go far enough. He said, I feel sure that the Ethiopian crew would have tried to do everything they were able to do to avoid the accident. It has been reported that the first officer on the flight had 200 hours of flight experience, a small fraction of the minimum in the U.S., an absurdly low amount for someone in the cockpit of a jet airliner. So, Kelly, we're we're not disagreeing with No, not at all. Hey, listen, we didn't bring up any major disasters that happened in the past, you know, like the, the far past you know yes. they uh far away but basically this is Solingberg's um uh, words not mine he said that um we don't know yet what challenges the pilots faced That's or right. what they were able to do but everyone who's entrusted th- their lives of passengers and crew by being in a, a pilot seat of an airliner must be armed with knowledge skill and experience and judgment to be able to handle the unexpected and to be an absolute master in the aircraft and all the systems and situation. He said that the team in the cockpit in extreme emergencies like these guys would have faced have to know how to collaborate wordlessly. Talk to that. Well, I agree with Sully 100%, but of course he too is a fighter pilot by background, so naturally I would agree. The the biggest thing is this. If, If I had to ask one vital question regarding the two crashes that we're really discussing and comparing, it would be, did the pilots carry out the actions detailed in the checklist? And the answer is no. And is it hard to learn this procedure? No. You know what it says in the checklist? turn off the offending system, your problem will go away. Now you fly the airplane, like as we always say in 1960s or 70s vintage airplane, you come back to your runway of choice and you land the plane. End of story. But The pilots didn't do it. And and what we have to explain to ourselves is why didn't they do it? If they didn't know Mm -hmm. it, they need a little more training. Someone suggested, I think it might have been the Globe and Mail today, that maybe an extra 15 minutes of training in the simulator is required. Well, good enough. Go ahead and do another 15 minutes. Yeah, but you know what? You say that, Jock, but I was reading in this same article. It says uh, airliners, airlines aren't are getting flight simulators. They're, yeah. like, they've ordered about 40 of them, but it'll be yeah. months before pilots in the U.S. can use them. And they said that um, one has been ordered... Uh, that pilots will be able to train on in Ethiopia, but not until the end of the year. United Airlines, the world's third largest carrier, was told it'd have to wait for 2020 to get one. Well, you don't actually have to get one. There are companies that will provide that service for you. Flight right. Safety International, SimuFlight, you know, there are various companies. But there's only one right now that. in the States. doesn't matter because you can use the standard 737 as the simulator for this particular emergency. All you you do is you give what we call a runaway trim and you watch what the pilots do. If they do anything other than turn the trim system off using the famous little red button, you say, no, you need more training. What you were supposed to do is turn this system off. What is it about OFF that you do not understand? I'm getting to be biased about mm. this in, in favor of using logic once in a while. Hey, listen, I would emotion. hope a pilot would use logic. Yeah. Because well, that's going to save us at the end of the day. Do anymore. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, and this is why I've got you on, because you're an expert in this. I want to talk about simulators with you. United um, was basically set to take delivery of the 737 in 2017, and a group of yeah. pilots put together these training manuals. without ever flying the aircraft or uh, a full simulator. And basically, they flew to a Boeing training center in Seattle to learn the new plane on a mock cockpit that didn't move like typical simulators. Then, uh, in addition to a a two-hour iPad training course from Boeing, 
The pilots then used their experience in the cockpit to create a 13-page handbook on the differences between the MAX and its predecessor. predecessor. Um, And the training materials didn't mention the new software that later became the focus. But do pilots normally put together their own training manual? Well, sure. This is this is not like telling university students what the questions are going to be on the test. This is asking a bunch of experts what needs to be in the training program. And who knows better what needs to be in the training program than experts on the system. It doesn't matter that, that this system is marginally different on what electronically the computer's being told. What we're worried about here is what are the pilots supposed to do? Who better than pilots to say, yeah, this is what I want to know. Turn it off. You know, that, that's all it takes. And yet we're sitting here having these discussions and you think, what is it about turn it off that people don't seem to want to know? If the pilots had done that in mm-hmm. both of these cases, and I don't need to see the flight data recorder to know this, if they had done that, they'd be on the ground in good health. For some reason, they failed to do it. And that's what we need to be addressing. Right. And and maybe that comes down to inexperience, which gives you pause when you go to countries outside, you know, North America and, you know, you're flying around. Sometimes you'll hop on a, an airline that they own. And how many hours training do they have? Well, not only just how many hours, but was it directed in the right areas also? Because you can you can do thousands of hours of training on the innermost workings of the engine. Mm-hmm. That makes no difference whatsoever to a pilot. Or you can talk about the go-fast levers, which are the only thing we move that affects the engine most of the time. And you say, if you want to go faster or climb higher, push forward. If you want to go slower or descend, pull backward. That's, that's as much as you have to know. But we sometimes, training used to be training you how to, to assemble and disassemble this aircraft with any three Come on, for pilots? Choice. Oh, yeah, we used to be <laughs> stupid, the stuff that we were asked to, to learn. And finally, we said, how about you tell us, if you want to go left, move the control column or the stick to right. the left. And if you want to go to the right, move it to the right. That's what I need to know. Yeah, because odds are while you're in flight, you're not taking the plane apart. That's right. But, I mean, it was a joke when we said with two tools of your own choice, but you won't believe the detail we had to learn the up and down of Mm -hmm. distance and and what speed the the rotor RPM was in the gas generator. And so on. you say, who cares? I can't affect that. I have no gauge that I can read it. I have no switch that I can move it in one direction or another. Don't tell me that. Tell me what I need to know to fly the plane. You know, it's like a brain surgeon doesn't have to study the foot except in his basic training. But but he studies his specialty so that he's really good at what he needs to know. And that's what we need with pilots. And that's why Boeing got together a bunch of United pilots and yep. said, you guys build the manual instead of criticizing us. You do it, and then we'll blame you if something goes wrong. Good idea, actually. Jock, i got to let you go, but I appreciate your time as always. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Kelly. Cheers.